Hi guys, this is Doug Fletcher. Welcome back to What's the Hazard? It is Friday, October 2nd here in Omaha, Nebraska. Uh, beautiful morning. Man, I love these crisp, cool mornings, the fall mornings. Uh, this is my favorite time of year and um, looking forward to a nice weekend. My guest today is Cody Hoover, an old friend and a colleague and the safety director at uh, Jack Links in, uh, where, where is your plant? Underwood. Underwood, Iowa? Yep. And are you the safety director, safety manager? What do you prefer to be called? There, it's senior safety manager. I oversee four plants. So, okay, man. Yep. So not just one location. Nope. Awesome. Okay. Well, thanks for coming in. Thanks for coming back. It's good <laughs> to see you, man. It's yeah, been a long time. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, it has been. Um, this episode is being brought to you by the CCS Group, as always. Um, you know, CCS Group, um, Cheyenne, Wolford, and the folks down there have always been tremendous supporters of the podcast. I appreciate that. Mid-America Martial Arts, my good friend Aaron Cerrone, our leadership series, and uh, his company, the Nebraska Department of Labor, On-Site Consultation, Jim Cover and the folks down at, at On-Site Consultation, and Safety Reports, uh, the original sponsor of What's the Hazard, uh, Steve Polich and the guys at Safety Reports have been sponsoring us from the very beginning. Interestingly, I, just, I was reading their newsletter this morning, Safety Reports has a new... Uh, element of their app i guess you would call it they have an app and it has a number of different facets and so it's multi you know multi-use app but they have a new what they refer to as an ad hoc inspection so the one thing that i have always struggled with with safety reports is it's basically a checklist Mm -hmm. and you kind of go through the checklist and you will identify where you might find deficiencies you can upload pictures etc which i think is excellent but the way I was trained to make inspections as an OSHA person many, many years ago is a little bit more ad hoc than that. And so I always struggled with following, you know, finding the right reference and doing that. Mm-hmm. Well, they have a new feature, probably because of my ineptitude, I would imagine. <laughs> but this new ad hoc feature allows you just to go through and flow your audit as you normally would. And then you can kind of do all of the arrangement and organization after the fact. So I can walk through see something that I'm concerned about, take a picture of it, make a few notes, and then link it to different regulatory requirements or what have you. So I'm really excited about this. That so, would have been so much easier back in the absolutely. day if they had that. I think it makes, it's perfect. So thanks, Steve. I appreciate it. Great idea. Yeah, and thanks to all the sponsors, man. As always, you know that I appreciate what you're doing for us. Um, I just want to let everybody know that Cody is not a celebrity. You're not here to sell a book. <laughs> nope. We're just here to talk about safety. You're not getting paid. I, I am amazed that every time I watch some kind of a newscast or broadcast, they're, they're selling a book. Everybody's selling a book. I don't know if everybody's just trying to capitalize on this frenzy that we're in right now. My, I don't mean to suggest, maybe you are selling a no, book. No, yeah. my book would just be pictures. <laughs> no words. <laughs> okay, nice. Keep it simple. <laughs> like, one, like three word sentences. Exactly. Like, that's, that's when I read to my daughter. Book. That's the only books I like reading to her. So, <laughs> how, how old is your daughter? She is 15 months old today. Oh, good for you. She's oh, awesome. really? Yeah, today. Oh, yeah. congratulations. Thank you. Man, you have two, two children. Two kids, yep. Awesome. Well, man, tell me what's been going on at Jack Links. How, how's everything going? Everything's going really well. Um, with the COVID thing that happened, uh, we reacted really quickly and efficiently, and we had a lot of support from up top, and that made things just a lot easier. I mean, a lot of our, our big projects got pushed to the side, and and we really focused on COVID, and now six months into this uh, COVID plan and response plan that we put together, it is a very well-oiled machine. People know the expectation coming into the plants. We've updated the way that we screen our, our uh, team members coming in through the door. 
um, the, the sanitation protocols that we put in place, the uh, MERV 13 filters that we put into the break rooms and our offices and training room areas as just another piece. We added UVGI um, lights into our our offices and break rooms and conference rooms. Talk, and Talk about that a little bit, yeah. in a little bit more detail. Explain that to me. So ultraviolet germicidal irradiation is known to kill and disinfect um, viruses, bacteria. Mm-hmm. And um, we bought, we purchased quite a few of those and set them on timers. So we have about a two hour period in the middle of the night that nobody's here and those kick on during that time period wow. to disinfect everything. So everybody comes those are to in work. common areas? Common areas where there's high touch surface areas. So wow. um, we did a lot of research, a lot of, you know, like I said, the buy-in from the, uh, the, the top was huge in order for us to do all these things. And um, it's not as scary as it used to be. And I, so I think we're going back to what we had been doing. And, you know, we, with, with still regards to COVID, um, but we're going back to the normalcy of what we need to be focusing on and which is now in October, it's now our looking at all the data that we looked back at from January to, to uh, today and, and setting up those leading indicators to start pushing out programs and trainings uh, for future uh, 2021 programs and initiatives. So that is amazing. I, you know, I've been in a number of facilities. I've not been in your facility yet, but I've been in a number of food processing types of facilities and, and the lengths that they have gone to, to protect their employees just is remarkable to Mm -hmm. me. And then I go into other facilities, you know, the low risk facilities, I grant you, you know, they're not on the high risk or the medium risk OSHA list. They're probably low risk based Mm -hmm. on, you know, what they do and how they do it, but they have no idea what you guys, the lengths that you were going to, to protect your employees. I don't think the general public has any idea. I mean, it is remarkable to me what what companies like Jack Links are doing. Yeah, it was a it was a lot of reading at, at a you know at a very condensed. We had a short amount of time to do this, and we had no guidance, which you know that there was no guidance for this, and we just kind of took what OSHA suggested, what CDC suggested, just kind of looked at the the how we set up in general, and figured out this is what we need to be doing for right now, and we started pulling back some things, but. As far as social distancing and barriers and masks, those all, all will stay in place mm-hmm. um, for the foreseeable future, mm-hmm. which I think is a, a very smart thing. It's for, a good thing, yeah, right? Absolutely. I would agree. Absolutely. Hey, man, so we have known each other probably, I don't know, 10 years now maybe? It's been a long time, around, yeah. Right around that yeah. length of time. And, and I would regard you as one of the young, <laughs> new, um, energetic, you know, intelligent, safety people that are, you know, I mean, you've been around for a while, obviously, but you're not an old, crusty <laughs> old dude like me. You are kind of the new safety type guy. I mean, what I'm interested in, uh, we and we first met when you were at Hornady, mm-hmm. um, which is a fascinating plant it in and of itself. Is. I yep. mean, you, you, your breadth of experience just from the two facilities that you have been in that I'm aware of is remarkable. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've had to do so many different things. But what I'd like to know is as a safety leader, I mean, how, how has your approach evolved over that that 10 year period or however long you've been yeah. doing this. Well, I want to thank you Doug for those nice comments. I'll, <laughs> right. I'll pay you I'll pay you right, after right, this man. podcast. I'm expecting some jerky. <laughs> I was going to say geez. Um no, it's it's definitely changed being a a young kid, being 21, 22, being thrown into that and learning about it and having a chip on your shoulder and thinking that you understand this a lot more than a lot of other people. My my first initial response was like any other new safety person was go full on board, not being solution focused, not being collaborative. This is wrong. You need to fix it. I don't care how you do it. 
And that approach did not go over very well. I, I always had a lot of pushback. They only listened to me because it's safety. And, you know, Hornaday was was very good about promoting safety and, and just because of the sheer nature of the job. And um, so that was my first kind of approach with it. And my boss tried to soften my skills as I was staying there and as I got moved up from coordinator to manager but it still wasn't great. <laughs> and and I would say not until recently, within about a year or so, have I finally really calmed down and now going to Jack Links and having to be collaborative and working with VPs and higher up uh, people within the company, um, having them rely on me as a source of, of, of for safety. And, and um, yeah, I just, you know, I, I've, I've completely changed and I'm just trying to be more diplomatic on my approach and Definitely, be, I, I will say it multiple times, solution focus when we, we see some issues. And it's gone a lot better. But, yeah, those first few years, I would say, was rough. <laughs> but, man, you have just described every new OSHA compliance officer yeah. that I've known, that I've and myself included. You know, when you first start, I think you're really desperate to get the respect of the people that you work with or for or whatever that is. And so you go way over the top, man. Mm-hmm. And you are literally, it's black and white. This is what it says. You're not doing it. You know, you're being very punitive. You're being very almost confrontational. Yep. And, uh, and either you learn that that, is, that doesn't work or you fizzle out and you go back to some other job, yeah. you know, go back to the maintenance department or from wherever you came. But I see that all the time. I see that even now. I go out into different facilities and I meet with young safety people and mm-hmm. they're just like we were, man. I know. And I know they're going to run into the same walls and obstacles that we ran into. And then they are hopefully eventually going to. I love your description of, you know, problem solving mm-hmm. because that's truly what we do. It's not black and white, even yeah. though there's a regulation that it's, it's typically not, man. So, how, I mean, did you just beat your head on the table enough that you realized that or how did that, or you had some good mentors that were kind of guiding you? Or? I would say at, at uh, Hornaday, Matt, you know, Matt Spencer, sure. he was very good. And, um, and then Mike Timmerman there. And then I get to Jack links and it was the VP for the, uh, the distribution center and uh, Zach who, who noticed my approach was a little bit still rough and, um, but said he, there's a lot of trajectory with me. And so we've been working on soft skills and communication and, and it's definitely helped out a ton. And I've just been reading books on how to to work well with people, how to communicate better. Um, Man, I'm proud of you. I'm yeah, impressed. It's, that, it's, it's not easy. First of all, it's, it's not, not easy to admit that maybe the, the approach you've taken isn't the best. <laughs> yeah. That's a hard thing for all of us it to is. do. It, for you, yeah, thanks. And my wife, who is a psychologist, oh, so yeah. she's told me hey, this was not new to her. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, the problem is we not very many people – within our company know what we do. And I feel like we always have to justify really what we do. And mm-hmm. we do it by throwing regulations out there sure, and um, not networking with each other enough to understand some of these, these pitfalls that we've all seen. I would say Jim Steele is a prime example of a person who's seen it all. And I use him a lot mm-hmm. as a resource. If I'm up against something I've never seen before, because right. he usually has a solution for it and it, it goes over very well with my, but as you team. said, I mean, he's a solution oriented guy. He you, is. You, you are, you've become a solution oriented yep. <laughs> guy. That That's kind of where I am in my career at this point too. I'm just trying to help, you know, fi- help my clients find solutions to these challenges. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, um, nobody wants to be dictated to, Right. And we all know that in our own lives, you know, and um, as you as a parent, I mean, 
I think it's interesting. There are so many parallels to parenting mm-hmm. in this world that, you know, this profession that we've found ourselves in. I always tie it back to parenting or teaching or coaching. They're all the same. And it's, I guess it's just interacting with other human beings yeah. and trying to, you know, gain their trust and direct, you know, at least move their behavior in a certain direction. And those are the, those are all similar skills in all those different worlds, but absolutely have a hard time learning. That. I know <laughs> that's good. <laughs> the man. first few years. Yeah. Like I said, it was rough, but, Very yeah. exciting. but having, having said that, you know, I, I've always appreciated the fact that, you know, the underlying requirements mm-hmm. because some people are just making the shit up on the fly. Oh, yeah. They're just, I they don't have any idea what the requirements are. I still, I used to, when I was with OSHA, I was the compliance assistance guy. You know, mm-hmm. people would call me and ask questions. I was amazed at how many allegedly knowledgeable safety people were calling me and asking me just basic regulatory questions. Yeah. Not, not the sophisticated, nuanced stuff. You know, what's the what's the height requirement for fall protection or something? Yeah. I mean, you know, so if you don't have that foundation. You're not, you're not going to be credible, and, and obviously this is going to be an impossible task. But Yeah, that's that's another issue, too, is with um, with safety people in general, whether they're new or whether they're old, and we're deal- I'm dealing with this with the other safety managers within Jack Links. Um, they so heavily rely on it. This is an OSHA deal. OSHA doesn't like this. And, you know, they, they always throw that word out there, and I'm always saying just – what, what do you think this is? Do you think this is unsafe or do you think this is safe or, or how can we fix this? And, and, and you're not taking full on response. I feel like we're just pushing responsibility over. So we're not even giving ourselves enough credit on what we know. And we should really say, I don't like this because this, I feel that this is unsafe or this is a policy that I put in place and we're not here to discuss OSHA. I will deal with that piece, but this is a, a safety policy that we put in place that I put in place for the protection of the people here. And you should stick by that and, and feel very good about that. But I feel like if you just hand off that responsibility to OSHA, then you're just, you're, we're not credible right there to begin with, you know? Man, that, that is really astute. And I was just thinking that yesterday, um, that exact same thing. Uh, I'm really impressed by that statement because I agree with you that it's okay to blame OSHA when you have a challenge. But again, we are talking about the minimum level of safety required by law. I mean, yep. we're not we're not talking about anything extraordinary or, you know, I mean, if you were saying, well, OSHA says we have to do this, mm-hmm. now somehow you are trying to jam in the very minimum. You're trying to get people to comply with the very, the least protective requirements. And so that, you know, you're at the bottom if that's where you are. Yeah. If you can get people to consider, you know, what makes the most sense? How can we do our work most safely? Mm-hmm. I mean, we still want to get product out the door. We want to have a quality product to deliver to our customers. And we want to do that as safely as possible. Yeah. If that's the question that's being posed rather than, or the demand that OSHA says we have to do this. Yeah. Those are two totally different things, mm-hmm. I think. I think it's so. a whole different level. It is. And I always go with this approach where you, you know, you give a few options as far as if you see something unsavory and and you want to make a change, and then you present it as everything that I present here is, is within the boundaries of the regulations of OSHA. Sure. And it, and keep it as simple as that, and you don't need to go into detail, but just let them know that it's it was a decision that was based off of my expertise of being able to interpret the standard. Here's what I came up with. Now, what do you think? What will be best suited for mm-hmm. for this right here? Right. Totally. Yeah. I totally agree. It's like I, I, people used to ask me, well, where does it say I have to do that? <laughs> you know, I mean, like, man, you're missing the point. Yeah. Is this a safe activity or not? Yeah. Are your people at risk or not? 
You know, let's 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 drill down to that level rather than where does it say I have to do that? I just used to be so frustrated by that comment. You know, uh, yeah, that's a cop out. <laughs> and, and it's and it's no different than the, and the than the safety person saying OSHA says we have to do this. I mean, it's the same level of thought. And yeah, it's, it's below us. We we should be beyond that. Yeah, you know? we need to get away from using that. I, I totally agree. Um, one of the things I wanted to talk about, I think it's a universal challenge. Every person that has an employee has to go through some level of orientation. You have to orient your employees to the work and to the, the safe work practices that you've developed. And, you know, I mean, it's our duty as employers to show our employees how to do their jobs safely. And mm-hmm. so we typically call that orientation training or something. I'd like, I'd love to talk about that and your perspective on this orientation training thing we do. Um, kind of like safety committee, kind of pointless um, if you don't really have a good idea as or support. Um, and I'm probably like making a bunch of safety people like this guy is, are you sure Doug that you oh, know what he's talking about? Oh, you, but, know, I'm, you know, I'm with you. <laughs> um, but orientation at Hornaday was, there was none. And so Mike Timmerman, the training manager and I put it together, HR stuff, safety stuff, um, gun safety stuff, lead safety. And it was, you know, insert fire hose and turn on essentially, which was too much information. <laughs> And at the time, though, you thought, wow, this is incredible. Like, we're really getting out to the people. And there was no follow-up. So that was on me. Once again, learning a new, you know, uh, safety person, learning, not networking with any other safety person. So that, like I said, if you're new, network with other safety people because that is key. So just take whatever information they have and try to use it and apply it. As I got to Jack Link's, we're doing the orientation. There is no retention. They're they're worried about turnover, the the experience. I'm putting hand quotes up there for the new team members, and so they went from a one day orientation, and they gave us four days, which was crazy. And we're like, okay, this is going to be because we have HR stuff, we have food safety quality, we have safety, we have the introduction to their job. So this is a new person coming off the street. Yep, coming into the facility, and bam, you're hitting them with four days of that. Four days. And so when we looked, when I looked at the entire layout of the program and I said, okay, the first day they only need to know what the PPE requirements are to walk in our facility and where to go in the event of emergency. So those are the only two things that we hit on that day, that first day. Yeah. We didn't try to kill them with a bunch of safety stuff. The second day we would review day one, what they, what they learned, what they remembered, because really we're only retaining about probably 20% of oh, what yeah. we learned. If so let's give them as little as possible to remember. And we, we just gave them a little bit more information as far as cardinal safety rules, kind of our mantra of, of safety information that covers everything. And then introduction to those um, required trainings, which is first aid, fire evacuation, HASCOM, uh, so on and so forth. So that was day two. Kind of an awareness level yep. of those things. Yep. And then day three, we touched back on day one, day two, hit that again. Day three, then it was things that they possibly would be experienced. So, you know, machine guarding, ergonomics, lockout, tagout, very basic lockout, tagout because of the, the lack of machines and complicated machines that we have. And um, I believe that's it for day three. Mm-hmm. And then day four, they get moved into a job hardening Okay. job and then they oh, kind of learn like the nice. safety the the standard work instructions from that jhas too so how um, much time do you actually have with them each day because i'm assuming they are 
are they in shadowing someone? Are they in a department watching or observing? Or so for what the, else is going on? So for the first three days of training, they're they're in there the training room for the entire day. But HR is giving okay. them information, FSQ about gotcha. food safety quality. So we wanted to make sure that our stuff stick stuck Just too short and right to the point. Yep, and, and and what they need. And we've we've gotten some really good feedback from on the safety side. That it seems the retention is really a lot better. We do observations after that with our new team members where we go and ask them some questions that were also on, you know, part of the, the orientation process. It's not great. I mean, not everybody will remember it, but a lot more people so th- remember this is it now. now. After you are, you've completed the yep. orientation portion, they're out in the, in the facility mm-hmm. and then you're following up with them. Yep. Absolutely. I love yep. that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so the job harding piece will go, will pertain to their job and on day, for day four. So I'm going to backtrack here to day four. And uh, that's where we introduce the job hazard analysis. And so a little bit more safety uh, specific type of work mm-hmm. that's, but it's hands on. So it's not like you're sitting in a classroom with PowerPoint. So, and so you're out in the plant. At yeah. The there are there. It's a, it's a, it's out in the plant, but it's, it's away kind of from controlled. It. Yeah. Controlled area, area where they get oh, used to how I to do things. Yeah, yeah. I love that. And so, like I said, getting support from the top really helps you and under, cause a lot of the companies will say, give them, a few hours and get them to work. Right. And how do you do that <laughs> effectively? Companies, almost all companies. Yeah. And so we're lucky enough that, you know, they, they want to evolve and they want to make these great changes and, and, and safety is important to them. And, and so as long as we provided something that was going to stick, and I think it, mm-hmm. I mean, are we going to evolve it later down the road? Possibly, mm-hmm, but sure. um, so far it seems to be working a lot better than the, just your first day of all information. Right. Hopefully you remember it right. and we're going to reprimand you if you don't. So, you know, yeah. you, you commented on something that I think is really critical. The retention piece. I think so many companies are afraid to devote any time to these new people because they may or may not stick around. You know, they might yeah. be out in the plant for an hour and then be gone at lunchtime. Mm-hmm. And now you've, at least you, it, it, it appears that you've wasted some time on them, but I mean, you can't, not do that. Yeah. I mean, you can't send them out into the plant anticipating they're going to leave and then not preparing them to be out there. As you said, what they need that first day or what they need the second day, mm-hmm. it is incremental. Yeah. And you just need to go, how do I go out in the plant as an observer safely mm-hmm. the first day? Because that's truly all I am. I'm, I'm lost. I'm, I'm yeah. a little bit anxious and, yeah. no, and I'm, you know, and so if you overwhelm them, you know, you're, you're making them an authorized lockout tag out yeah. employee that first morning. Here you oh, go. They're freaking out. I mean, I can remember my first day at OSHA and I was a grown man when I went to work for OSHA. And I think all I was worried about was, you know, when is payday and where's mm-hmm. the bathroom in this place? You know? Yeah. I mean, you kind of, you kind of just stole my thunder, right? That's what they're really thinking about <laughs> I mean, though. I think it is. They only care about when's payday. When's, when am I going to eat? Oh, they're providing me lunch and cool. <laughs> right. um, that's, and that's my segue into, I think it's okay. Safety people, but I think after orientation or any sort of training, we does, we think in our minds, we deserve a standing ovation. Like right. we did a great job. I don't understand how they didn't get this. The the training piece that I put together was incredible. It's safety. It, the the content's still the same. We're just maybe displaying it in a different manner. Right. And so this isn't going to be. We probably didn't make it up. We no, we didn't create. No, it wasn't our own. It's it's and so unless you have this crazy personality, you're not going to capture really anybody about safety. I don't think they're not coming in there expecting that. They don't like, oh my gosh, I just was blown away by their safety or they nobody says that. 
but they can at least enjoy it for this small incremental amounts uh, and just not force fed a ton of mm-hmm. useless information, not OSHA stuff. What does your company say specifically mm-hmm. about these things and what do you need to do to stay safe and just keep it as simple, but, but hit those sort of, uh, obviously those training requirements from OSHA. And if they don't know it, then they should go to the website and, 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 and read about it. But yeah. what all OSHA really tells us is that you need to train them before they're actually performing yeah. a function. I yeah. mean, it's not as if OSHA doesn't say you have to shove all this down their throat on day one. Right. You know, in fact, I'm sure that if they, you know, they would probably be opposed to that knowing, you know, that it's not, you know, they're not going to remember any of that or yeah. they're not going to be prepared for any of those things. So as you introduce them to new tasks out on the floor or, you know, increase, you know, the, the, the responsibilities that they have, well, then you have to prepare them for that. Yeah. But I think this is where a safety person can ten, can think ahead and say, okay, I know they're going to get shifted into different positions. And so we need to have a really good communication program with our leads and supervisors to be able to announce that. And so having those JHAs ready to go. So when they do get pushed into another position that the lead or supervisor takes the time to review it with them and and know where know where all the measures the control measures are at so that way they can protect themselves so we've we've in previous episodes we have touched on jhas would you describe you know in in your opinion what a jha is and then what you've just you know that you use it for training purposes yeah i think a lot of people they make up jhas and then they go into a binder yeah they they're never to be seen again so that's what are you guys doing gosh you're like we're hitting on a bunch of safety things that like and i love like this topic right now because things that we're not very good at, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm one of those that was all not very good at. Yeah. And we've all had to learn, and unfortunately, so. the hard way, but t- tell us about the JHA process that you're using and then what you're using those JHAs for. Yeah. So we use a JHA for every specific um, job duty that we had. Now we, we have created this throughout, you know, ever, you know, since I've gotten here and, and, um, and so, but we take the, the highest hazards of those. So we don't say, well, the team member is going to walk here. If they're gonna, if they're just gonna be walking, I don't. We don't really care. We just want to hear where are those hazards at. Oh, it's it's picking. Okay, we want to make sure they understand where to be potty position, rotation. You know, mm-hmm. I I I put um, an RPN attached to it. I kind of I quantify it, and then I put control measures that we have in place and requantify it again to show them that we are seeing an actual change mm. and that they need to follow these sort of measures that we put in place. And, and then also, there is a benefit to them. Yeah, yeah. We can actually quantify the benefit. Yeah, and I think I sent you that JHA mm-hmm. a while back ago, and that, those are what we use, and and it's just an easier way for them to see. And we don't hit on every single step, and I know a lot of safety people do. I just hit on the ones that are the, the highest risk for injury and touch on those, and that's it. And mm-hmm. and that's really, I mean, am I, I going to miss a few? Sure, but. I, and I agree with you, man. I, I totally agree. And then, so your supervisors are then? Using yeah. those to train these employees out yep. on the floor. Or? So the new thing that we're doing now, like I said, this is this is all very new within like the last six months that we um, we've been doing these, is that the supervisor will or the lead whenever they go to whenever they have their uh, team with them, even if they've been here for seven years or seven days, they will talk about they will review the JHA of the job that they're doing with them. And it's before they start work. Nice. So they have their safety huddle, they have their quality huddle, and then as they break off into their their little sections, then they also have the JHA review, and then they get to work. Nice. And so there's another added piece because we felt that on our doing observations and and safety uh, activity walks and 
gimbal walks and whatever that the the team members weren't understanding fully, even though they've been here forever, what the expectation safety expectation was. And so we were like, well, let's just try to get this out to them as easy as we possibly can. I mean, it's in writing. Yep. Documented. They yep. can review it if they have questions. I mean, um, this is going to sound like I just brought you in here to promote you, man. <laughs> and, uh, but you touched on something again that I find really critical and commonly overlooked is clearly communicating those expectations. Yeah. When people ask me about this, pro- I mean, it's not that complicated. You just need to clearly communicate your expectations. I go back to parenting. Yeah, absolutely. You know, clearly communicate the expectations. And then, obviously, if there's confusion, clear up the confusion. If, you know, hold people accountable once mm-hmm. those expectations are clearly communicated. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't have to be more complicated than that. No. But having it in documented, you know, so that there can be no, I thought you said, or this is what you yeah. meant, or I didn't understand, you know. Mm-hmm. You eliminate all of those possible excuses. Yeah. I mean, that is really a cornerstone of this process. It is. And it's kind of like with, with my son, I will say, go, you know, I used to say, go clean the upstairs. Like it's not clean enough. He doesn't know what I mean by right. that with these vague. So I have to be very specific on the tasks that he, I need him to absolutely to, to follow. And, and employees and are no different. Same with them. And you know, they're, they'll get upset with you if, if you write them up or, or coach to them when they don't really even know what the expectation was because we didn't clearly communicate what it was. In our heads, I'm sure we thought we did, but we we really need to step back and say, yeah, this needs to be um, written in a different manner for them to understand. Absolutely, man. I I, I totally agree. I one of my my older boy is a I don't know if the description is he's literal, but <laughs> I would tell him um, uh, I want the grass mode this weekend, okay? And inevitably at 11:50 p.m. on Sunday evening he was out there mowing the grass with a headlamp or something you know what i mean when i say this on a wednesday i want the grass mowed this weekend and he, i assumed he would do it when he got home from school on friday or something you know literally sunday night so by by being vague i, mm-hmm. I you know he's he's complying with my request but literally the kids out there mowing the grass with a headlamp <laughs> just to tell me to you know stick it yeah. you know i mean um i i think and I do think you're right. I think when we are communicating these uh, requests or instructions, sometimes we we think we've said mm-hmm. everything we meant clearly, and you know that shouldn't be an issue. But I think if we if we go back, or if we were actually able to hear ourselves, we would realize we weren't very clear sometimes yeah. in those instructions, and that just leads to total chaos. It does, that. and and my wife always says that. The, um, the space between expectation and reality is misery. Right. And that's so true. That's so true. Oh, absolutely. You know, it's the, it's the um, us safety nerds. We always say, hey, be safe. You know, mm-hmm. what does that mean? No, I know. That, that's, that's too vague. And, and, or, hey, make sure you're lifting properly. Mm-hmm. Let's show them, you know. Totally. So. It's just like, if you see anything out there unsafe, let me know. Exactly, yeah. What the hell does that mean? We have to be more specific, yeah. you know, and you should be, this is why, you should be doing act floor activity reports. You should be doing observations. You should have safety committee teams doing audits. That way you know what you're seeing from your safety perspective, from a leadership perspective, and from a team member floor perspective. And then using that information then to create initiatives or, or any sort of information fed or huddles for the next week's topic. And that's what we've been doing as our leading indicators initiative to really promote safety and that sort of manner is not relying heavily on lagging in, anymore, 
what's going on right now that we can try to fix or mitigate. Interesting. So yeah. talk a little bit more about that. Yeah. Just the whole concept of leading indicators and how you are using those to trigger activities. and Yeah, so we have observations, and we know that our our biggest our risk is, is sprains and strains. Okay. And so we dumped most of those questions because those questions were, where's the fire extinguisher at? Where's the bathroom? You know, and we made them 80% related to strains and sprains rotation pieces so because that's our focus and we don't need to be worried about compliance we need to be worried about injury prevention Mm -hmm. and so we take all that data because they're expected to write something down as far as what they coach what they saw and so we use that data to really help oh we're seeing a lot of issues with palletizing okay so next week we're going to focus a lot more uh, topics on how to palletize correctly and how to get them to communicate a little bit more with us when they're when we're seeing issues like this we have our safety committee team that just does floor audits and they look at a lot of behavioral stuff too. Their job isn't to actually go and re-coach it. We just want to see what's going on out there. Mm-hmm. And then we have floor activity reports where we go out there and talk to team members. We check to make sure the observations are being done. We check to make sure that there's that there are leads and supervisors are communicating what we've been asking them to communicate. And then we'll report back. And so all that information gets fed to management, to supervisors, and a lot of it, you know, we'll try to fix too. I, we're not going to leave them on an island to just, hey, this is your problem. I said, all we ask for you guys is just to communicate a little bit more, to observe it a little bit more, to coach on a little bit more. We'll be down there too to help you guys out. We're, we have plans in the future to really help uh, change this. But for right now, short-term containment plan, we need this from you. They have to report back to that they did this. And then it's, once again, our floor activity reports, we'll cycle through again, make sure it's getting done, audits observations and we take all that information to a more granular level and start just really focusing on those things that we're seeing man that, that every time you speak you are hitting on another uh, big issue in my opinion and, and one the one you just mentioned here was don't waste a bunch of energy and time focusing on those compliance pieces that are already in place and we got that covered mm-hmm. and i mean we leave it on the checklist and okay, I mean, we can't ignore those things, but focusing on injury prevention, you know, the things that are actually hurting our people, mm-hmm. um, you know, a, a safety program has to include all of that. I mean, mm-hmm. it has to, it has to focus on compliance to some extent, but again, that's just the bare minimum. But you know, what's hurting our people is mm-hmm. the biggest question you should be asking, you know, what's the hazard? Yeah. I had Seth Burmeister on a few weeks ago and, you know, he was my trainer when I was at OSHA and he would oh, nice. always ask me. You know, because I would be referring to the regulations, trying to cite something verbatim, and he would say, well, what's the hazard, Doug? I mean, what truly is the issue here? Is it just a a technical violation of a standard, or is there something here that's going to hurt somebody? Mm-hmm. And until I started asking myself that question, I was, you know, that that young, green compliance officer who was just writing stuff out of yeah. the book, you know? Yeah. And that's, it's, it, I think it's, we need to be focused on those things that, that are or mm-hmm. can hurt our employees. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the other stuff, maybe we don't put quite so much emphasis on. Yeah, that. I was going to say, our, our time is very limited, and there is so much to focus on in, in the safety world. And if we are focusing on, our, as a fire extinguisher checked for this month, then we really lost sight of what we're actually here for. Yeah, You know, we're here for the people and to make sure that they're going home safe. And uh, we had the same issue going on with one of our plants um, that I'm helping oversee now because they, they have the most recordables. And he, his approach was, well, we're going to have our supervisors do these, these uh, walkthroughs and, and do these observations. I said, great, that's awesome. 
and they're only they're focused on emergency lights, air hoses. And I said, Hey, you know what, Alan? I said, you're the majority of your injuries are strains. I said, you need to not worry about that. Let's focus on this and slip trips and falls and focus exactly. Where is this at? He's like packaging. I said, great. We're going to focus there and that's it. We're not going to have them do walkthroughs. They're going to focus on packaging. And once they, they identify a lot of risk and once you can start changing some behavior, then we'll start fanning out a little bit more. And that's what we, that's what you really need to focus on. Let me ask you a question. This is totally off script, man. And uh, my scripts are Uh usually pretty vague anyway. (laughs) You know, my script is a couple of scribblings that I, you know, on the drive over. I'm, but I've been thinking about this a lot. The PPE in particular, I think we have it now, COVID aside, I'm not talking about the COVID, you know, uh, protections that we have implemented in, in many facilities, but just PPE aside, we, we have a tendency to over-prescribe PPE in my mm-hmm. opinion, which is not really necessarily beneficial. Um, but, but I'm always reluctant, but from an OSHA standpoint, PPE is very simple. Mm-hmm. If there is a hazard, you prescribe the appropriate controls and when we get down the hierarchy to ppe if that's where we are yeah. then that's what you use but i there are a lot of people that just that mandatory ppe you walk in the door you've got on safety glasses hearing protection safety boots whatever and i'm, I'm walking into a feather yeah you know, these guys you know they stack feathers or something <laughs> for, i mean whatever they do you know but but man it's just automatic and so i I'm always kind of conflicted about that. What, what's your view on just prescribing PPE, assigning PPE? I'm very liberal about it too. Like I, I don't like, I think it's a cheap way for us to feel like we did something really important as safety people. And I just had this conversation two days ago with the, with all the safety managers. They're talking about this four quat mixture, the sanitizer for um, COVID that we're all using. It's four tablespoons for a five gallon bucket of water or, you know, mm-hmm. container of water. And so they're having, they were freaking out because one of their FSQ managers used a spray bottle and sprayed it. And she's like, she didn't have his gloves or his mask, his goggles, everything. And I, and everybody's agreeing with her. And I said, like, this isn't a big deal. I said, guys, if you applied any of the bridging principles and um, the, the uh, Hascom standard appendix, I think it's a point zero point four. That's where my mind knows. <laughs> yeah, um, I knew that was in there. Yeah, somewhere. it's it's you have to. It's a new mixture, but you have to use what the the weight of the that mixture is. And so all those chemicals that are hazardous with four quat is negligible once you add the water, the mixture of water in there. Mm-hmm. So not saying that they there shouldn't the person who's mixing it shouldn't be wearing it, but for the person who wants to spray the bottle wants to help out, I don't think it's worth getting that upset and trying to enforce some sort of rule on there for this. I I think it's kind of ridiculous. I said, this is our job as safety people to know these regulations, to assess them, to see how they're using it in what type of manner, and then say, do we really need to do that? Probably not. And are you okay with that? And I think safety people tend to just swing one way and say, we're just going to put you in PPE. You have to follow it. It's easy for me to, to do just and then and then you get frustrated when there's no compliance. There's mm-hmm. no compliance because so what you're asking for is just ridiculous, mm-hmm. in my opinion. So man, that, that is right on the money. And um, I, I I agree with you on that. And I, I have a, I have and that's kind of been one of an evolution of mine too. Because when you're with OSHA, it's easy to say, well, you're using a tool. You need to have eye protection, or you're using you know you're in an environment where there may be noise. You need to have, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean. But I completely agree with you, and I see a lot of situations now where, um, for example, I was 
called by a safety manager on the construction side, and there was a subcontractor not using eye protection. Now, they were engaged in an activity that didn't generate any eye hazards, impact hazards, anything like that, but he wanted them to wear eye protection. As you said, it's just kind of our go-to. It's mm-hmm. kind of a fallback almost. And I told him, look, it's it's your project, man. You're the GC yeah. representative. If you want them to wear a fall protection, then by all means tell them that. Yeah. But don't necessarily criticize their JHJ because I'm not sure that there is an eye hazard there. And, you know, I mean, we're not talking about probabilities like satellites dropping out of orbit and right. hitting you here. I mean, we're talking about is there a real potential for an eye injury? Mm-hmm. I didn't see it. They didn't see it. So, you know, I think, I think you know, you know, you're going the right direction when you approach it that way. Yeah. But old school is throw some PPE on, and uh, and as you said, we've done something. Yeah, it's interesting to me. I I see that more and more. I, I question that a little. I bit. I think you once there, this is another way to lose credibility and really lose your the buy-in from leadership and the team members or your employees out on the floor if you make them do ridiculous things and you don't have a good reason why. Why am I wearing safety glasses here? There's no and and. People aren't stupid. There's no eye hazard here. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I just want to make sure that just in case, you know, that doesn't sit well with people. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll I, do stuff if I it's reasonable. I think they get fatigued. Yeah. Just like everything else, like the COVID fatigue yeah. that we're all experiencing. I think these uh, the safety fatigue when you're just overdoing some of these requirements, I think that's a real thing. Yeah, I think so too. It's yeah, interesting, man. Yeah, we, we're, we're on the same <laughs> wavelength right here. Yeah, you have a... You have quite a career. I always story. say I'm like, I'm either really good at my job or I'm just super lazy. and I don't really care as much. I don't no, know. <laughs> no, no, man. Absolutely. I think, I think that, it, that it's a higher level of consideration mm-hmm. when you are having those types of, you know, internal conversations, you know, mm-hmm. rather than just the mandate, you know, black and white. This is what it says. This is what we're going to do. I mean, yeah. it is a problem solving yeah. uh, dilemma sometimes. Does this add value? Does it make my employees safer? Um, within the context of credibility, as you said, I mean, yeah, I can put him in bubble wrap and, mm-hmm. you know, I can drive five miles an hour on the interstate and I'm probably going to have fewer, you know, well, I guess it, unless nobody else is and then yeah. I'm just going to get, you know, run off the road. But I mean, yeah, you can make things safer by overwhelming the systems with mm-hmm. these controls, but it doesn't, it doesn't really add value necessarily. Yeah, you know, it doesn't help. It's not, and I think you're really, you're really, uh, putting the employees at a in a position where they start to question everything. Yeah, and this that's is what, good. yeah, this is what I always say. This separates safety people and safety professionals is who can make those who can start assessing and and looking at it at a at a different way other than just thinking that oh I need to just follow this because OSHA said so and and we just need to we need to be creative and and very collaborative with our with our team that we're working with. Well, I'm going to scratch the rest of my questions That's off the fine. list here because um, just the direction that you've gone, I, I would be interested maybe in just in concluding, you know, the session today with just some discussion about how you guys do address strains and sprains from the standpoint of actual control measures or from the standpoint of just education and promotion or because I think so many companies struggle with that one. Mm-hmm. When you look at their 300 logs, the majority of issues on a 300 log tend to be sprains and strains. I mean, when you look at the set of citations you get from OSHA, 
you know, your bench grinder isn't guarded yeah. adequately and all these other things that have nothing to do with what's, yeah. what's, what's, what's hitting your 300 log. Right. What, what do you guys, how do you guys look at that? What are you doing with that? So we have a couple of things. Uh, we have a Humatech program that um, when you write in all the numbers and everything for the job that they're doing, it will, it will give us a score of what the actual job is doing, what type it's of kind movement. of a risk assessment. Yeah, process. risk assessment. Okay. And it's like a stick figure. So you can take a video of the person and it'll have a stick figure inside them. And whatever they're doing, it'll either be green, yellow, or red. So okay. they can see what they're doing. And it's called Humatech? Humatech, is that yep. Is that the name brand? Yep, or? that's the name brand. And so we, we're lucky to have that. So we have an Ergo team assigned for that. Um, and, and just to identify our, our biggest ha- our Ergo hazards. Because, I mean, they're everywhere. So we want to hit on the, the top few that have caused the most injuries. And then we have, you know, stretch programs. We have... Um, we have uh, more training that's involved. So uh, lifting techniques and ergo used to be only once a year. We've done that now. We're, we're doing it four times a year now. Mm-hmm. And we're bringing, we have a pallet with product on the other side where once they go through that, that awareness training, they go over and then we're there to kind of show them, hey, this is what you should be doing. Oh, I love that. Uh, we're investing a lot more since we have a lot more CapEx um, for 2021 into palletizer lifts to help them out and so we're and and also job rotation so we're just we're doing a lot of engineering administrative controls just just try to, to promote it as mm-hmm. much as we can and are we going to solve it 100 percent? no without automating the system but mm-hmm. is it better than two years ago absolutely fantastic and yeah. so you said you're doing a stretching program yeah was that just start of shift or after lunch it's start or? a shift and also um after lunch too okay. now can i tell you how effective it is i'm not too sure People, yeah, it's really hard, and um, but yeah, we have. People seem to enjoy it. Yeah, they, 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 they take don't it seriously. They don't mind, and they they like doing it. And um, I think it's it's with any other physical activity, you mm-hmm. want to stretch before you do anything. Um, but I think the rotation piece is key. I think being able to assign a number to what, and so they they can see it, and then and then we work with them too. So if a pallet builds too high, then they're like, let us know because we can actually get it shortened down for them. Okay, you know so. Um, and so we just, we had this open communication with, with the team and, and, uh, job rotation. Like, I think I said that before, but that, like I said, mm-hmm. that's really key. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that it's really, those are, those are those hard ones. You were, we're oh, always yeah. going to have them every year, but can we minimize the, the, uh, the frequency of it and can mm-hmm. we minimize the, the severity, severity of it? Yeah. yeah. And, and I love the fact that? that you've, you, you've brought it to a quarterly yeah, you know, rather than just once a year, like mm-hmm. every, you know, once a year we do our review or our refresher training or whatever mm-hmm. that is, and you know, I mean, that's kind of stale too, right? I mean, yeah. emphasize what your issues are, and yeah, you know, I mean, if you, I mean, it's just like you know, I know companies that do annual training on just about every subject, and it's not required by the regulations, and there may not be any indication that it's a problem, but man, like clockwork, every They're year we're it. doing our refresher training on everything. And when we should be probably, as you said, just focusing on those issues that are really mm-hmm. pertinent in our work environment. It's, it's the Pareto effect, the eighty twenty rule. So mm-hmm. you know, whatever is making eighty up eighty percent of your of your issues, you need to start focusing a lot of your time on that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, yeah, that's what we've been doing. We've been using a lot of Pareto data to to, and we got a lot of buy in, like I said, mm-hmm. from leadership to to just start. We pulled out ladder safety. Because nobody uses ladders here. Oh, nice. Yeah. You know, and yeah. and um and so we, that's how we're just doing. We're just mm-hmm. pulling stuff that were fillers for no reason right. that wasn't really right pertain to our our environment. And but, but that's very common. Yeah, I, I like the, they are fillers. So yeah, we're just filling up time. And as you said, oftentimes I think it is 
It makes us as safety professionals feel like we're doing something. Mm-hmm. You know, I did this training, this training, this training this yep. month, and look at me. And and I think you're right. That's really um, right on the money. So mm-hmm. what, what, do you, what do you got to – What do you have any take-home message or any parting shots or anything you'd like to leave the audience oh, with geez. as like, we wrap up? Kind of like, why are you doing safety? <laughs> yeah. Everybody get out of safety. No. Well, it's, I it's... ask myself that frequently. <laughs> but I tell you what, man, you know, you look at yourself in the mirror after doing these things and, and knowing that you're, you're helping some of these folks ultimately. It's hard to – as you said, it's – it's not always easy if we're mm-hmm. not using la- la- lagging indicators to quantify some of these things. But I know you do, too. I have people come up to me and communicate with me more readily. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think once they believe that you are sincere, yeah, that you have a vested interest in them, you care about what happens to them, they are very quick to share information with yep. you and share concerns. And it's not always just a bitch session. Yeah. It's actually trying to solve problems. Yep. And as you said, man, if you can do that in collaboration with your employees and your coworkers, uh, I was at a place yesterday and it's kind of a small facility. It's a relative, relatively new client and they, um, they have an eye protection requirement. They require any type of eye covering because they don't have impact hazards you know, they have a little bit of dust and, you know, it's nothing dramatic. So they don't have, it's not their main focus, obviously, but I had walked into the facility with nothing and at least two people came over to me and said something to me about, hey, you probably need to put some safety glasses on. I had them in my backpack with me. I just hadn't put them on. Hmm. And um, I told them, you know, we did some training later that day and I thanked them for doing that and told them, you know, this is really... Um, not the pinnacle perhaps, but this is a high level activity when you were looking out for each other yeah. or you were looking out for visitors or, mm-hmm. and you, you feel comfortable approaching them and saying something, you know, that, that's a big deal. Yeah. That's a high level. Yeah. That's cool that they got there. I mean, I think we're all striving to get there where mm-hmm. we can all communicate with each other, but, and, and you know, it's not always easy to do, particularly with, you know, like the safety consultant, Yeah, <laughs> you know, like this dumbass should know yeah. better, you know? <laughs> Gosh, we're paying him. Yeah, that's exactly. I'm sure they had second thoughts. But no, my, I totally my, agree. My last, or my, you know, my parting words would be for any safety person who's not focusing on the injuries and looking at your 300 to, to, to at least start looking into what I need to be doing or focusing on. Um, you know, that's what I, I would say. That that's where you need to start. You know, at first, and then also for new safety coordinators or specialists, or what do you want to call them. Um, just to, to keep grinding and and try to be more collaborative with with uh, your team and be patient and they will they will work well with you I promise and and don't get too frustrated with it so yeah. it gets better maybe they can skip some of the uh, mistakes that we made yeah I was gonna say yeah don't do what we did and just really throw the hammer yeah. down on them and walk away so that's a that's a hard lesson to learn sometimes it is. so well man it's great to see you again thanks yeah. for coming in. Always good to have you here. I look forward to your next visit when you yeah, bring you. me some of the turkey <laughs> yeah, that you're talking about. Yep. Sasha's over there thinking, yeah, well, I thought this guy was from Jack Lynch. <laughs> no, man, it's great to see you. Yeah. I, I love what you had to say today. I'm going to really push that episode because I think everybody needs to hear those things. Appreciate those it. really important. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. I hope you have a great weekend, and we will talk to you again soon. Bye-bye. <laughs>